For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, it is over the line. Welcome back once again. So excited to be here. Y'all notice this is two podcasts in a row. I've had people reach out to me uh, since last night when we did a show and said, Oh my God, I'm so glad you finally did a podcast. I think they're more relieved at the fact that I'm, I'm not lying to them again about doing a podcast, but now just seems like the right time. And I think that's what we'll do going forward is, you know, whether we're doing them on a regular basis or not, if, if it's newsworthy, if it's worth getting on here and talking about, we're going to do it. Along with interviews and stuff that we will be uh, conducting here in the future. We're currently working on a couple one uh, being someone, if you listen to me on the radio, you heard me talk to today, and that was Jeff Sessions, former Senator, former U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who is running for the Alabama State Senate, his old Senate seat. He is um, he's looking to regain that seat from Democrats, which was unfortunately taken away <laughs> I mean, kind of at the hands of Roy Moore. Roy Moore, one of the uh, worst candidates we've seen in a long, long time. He doesn't have the magic uh, that he once had. And by the way, I, I didn't hear much talk about him, whether or not he's going to be done for good once he lost in the last primary. Anybody anybody know? Anybody checked on him and, and Sassy and his wife, Kayla? And I'm not making fun of the guy. I think he's a good guy. I just think he's a, I think he's a good guy. He's a horrible politician. And I'm gonna leave it at that. Anyway, welcome. If uh, this is your first time here in the Over the Line, uh, make sure you follow us on social media so you can keep up with everything we do. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter, Over the Line on Facebook, you can find all our stuff and things there. We didn't really put the word out today that we're doing the podcast because. We try to gear this thing towards people listening to the podcast on the normal podcast platforms, which, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the all the things, all the stuff in the things, and not so much on YouTube, because one, YouTube is a big fan of, of censorship, especially, especially on this conservative side, uh, but also, I don't know that I'm offering a whole lot with the video aspect of this for instance it's me sitting here you're looking at me with a microphone in front of my face and listening to me talk i know i'm a stunningly handsome guy 
but just not much here. So, with that said, make sure you you go and check in on uh, on the 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 podcast platforms as you will. Looking today, and, and I'm doing this kind of last minute. I got a good friend. Uh, some of you may know him. He's a um, he's a police officer in the in, in, here in Alabama, just north of Birmingham, and. He had kind of a viral moment happen the other day. I wanted to bring him on and talk to him about it. I'm, I'm waiting on him to hit me back because, of course, why wouldn't I contact him right before I'm doing the podcast to see if he wants to come on? He's going to be on with us on the Matt and Ani show tomorrow and talk 99.5 as, as I'm there all week. Um, he'll be able to tell that story, too, if we don't get to talk to him tonight. So that'll be... Um, that'll be good. I hope you heard that show today. If you haven't, you can go to talk99.5.com and listen to that uh recorded show podcast gimmick whatever all right i don't like to do a whole like breaking news thing or tell you what's going on while i'm doing the podcast because so many people listen to this at different times but this is just the sign of the times it's it's july i'm sorry what uh, june it is june the 2nd 2020 we are going on a, a week-long, is it a week-plus, on protests all across this country. I'm looking at New York City. People have flooded the streets. It is 7.33 p.m. Eastern Time there in New York. And I, I, I'm seeing a bit of a shift. Now, once night falls, we will see if there's a true shift overall. And that'll be, do riots start as they have been doing for a week now? Or, or is what we're seeing now an actual shift? And what, what I mean by that is I'm watching, I'm watching police officers engage, talk to, listen, and even hug protesters. Prominently African American protesters. If you've been keeping up with everything, you've seen cops taking a knee with protesters in solidarity of what uh, horrible the horrible event that kicked this off with the death of George Floyd and extreme negligence or just downright hate perpetrated by a cop in Minneapolis. The cops are and we talked about this yesterday, they're actively trying to do something different. And that's good. That that shows not just a willingness to change, but the ability to change, the, the likelihood that there will be change. And if anything, first of all, when it comes to cops murdering unarmed black men, okay, just... Just talking from a statistical standpoint, it's not a prominent thing. Now, I want you to hear me out. It's not prominent. I think last year, the numbers I read in the Washington Post, and there's no telling what what their description of unarmed black men is, eight were killed in this country. Eight unarmed black men were killed in this country by police. Okay? Okay. That is not a very high number for a year. Each one of those is one too many. Correct? I think we're all on the same page with that. Anytime that happens, it's one too many. But it's not as prominent as the media who wants to divide us is trying to lead you to believe. Now, with that said, that is in no way, shape, or form to dismiss the feelings of some during this time. Because emotions are high, and people do not want to see cops killing unarmed people, in, in, in this case, in this scenario, unarmed black people. They don't want to see it. No, nobody, I would assume, nobody wants to see it. Not even police. Okay? So with that... And with the cops, I'm sure they know the stats as well. They know they're up against a narrative that's being perpetrated by those that are the loudest. In particular, the media and politicians who want you to believe that this is a rampant problem. 
Because of that, the emotion gets to such a fever pitch, we end up in situations such as this. So even with those facts being what they are, the police are still trying to engage these people because no matter what the number is, we have a large portion of this country, a large portion of our African-American brothers and sisters that feel worried, uncomfortable, and some of them downright scared. It is the police... It is their job to protect and serve. It's not their job to necessarily be a therapist or to coddle or to uh, be in charge of someone's feelings. They're there to provide safety, not necessarily give you the feeling of safety. But they're doing that. They're actively engaging with protesters and this is not just New York New York City NYPD this is all across the country from the NYPD to the Walker County Alabama Sheriff's Department to the LAPD and across the country they are engaging these people and they're doing it at at, at a time of the day such as this and even earlier before the riots start because at some point so many police departments and, and officers are going to engage in this behavior that it's going to be hard for the media to ignore. Because that's what they want to do. They want to ignore it. Now, I will admit, where I normally keep a check on all mainstream media networks throughout the day, I have not done so today. I've watched a little bit of Fox News, but I haven't done my daily check-ins with MSNBC and CNN and everybody else. I would not be surprised if I found out that they were trying their best to avoid showing images and video of police kneeling with and hugging these protesters. Because for them, it pays to keep the country divided. It pays to keep people angry. It pays to keep people scared and nervous and worried. And it pays to keep people thinking because of the color of their skin, their life is in danger every second of every day. And I don't mean only monetarily it pays. It pays politically. The media doesn't want Trump. Whether their hatred is, is, is genuine whether they're genuinely scared that Donald Trump is some sort of uh, dictator wannabe that is trying to silence the press, or that he is going to start marching his enemies to gas chambers like Nazi Germany. But it is very important to them, either way, to change the leadership in this country at the very top in the wine house their guy their buddy the people they have gone to bat for and that they have risked their own careers for the democrats and now joe biden is who they gotta have in there every day for the media they are at risk of being exposed for who they really are you've got some organizations that do a good job at at uh, exposing them and of course the media turns around and, and and big tech turns around and tries to silence these people and hide these videos from public view but people like uh, james o'keefe project veritas those guys do a fantastic job at exposing the media at exposing organizations and i don't mean getting on here and running your mouth with your opinion mixed with facts like i do all they do is record video and let these people say it in their own words. We've seen videos from them from Planned Parenthood where they're openly admitting to selling baby parts and making a big profit under the table. We remember the acorn scandal during Obama's elections. We've seen these guys go in and, and, and have people in the media 
admit they know things like the Russian collusion hoax is all a myth. You remember the video with Van Jones? Where he's like, yeah, it's all a nothing burger. It's all BS. We just, uh, we're just doing it for ratings and hurt Trump. People like that, like James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, they're doing a good job. But there is one guy that with the swipe of a pen or the pickup of one phone for one phone call, can expose a whole lot of stuff about a whole lot of people that would be very damaging. Media and Democrats alike. Look at what the man's done just thus far. Look at the stuff he's been able to produce from the spying on his campaign to name any instance. But he will do that because, one, he's not afraid to put it out there before the facts come in so he can get hammered for months on end and then be proven right. But, two, he knows it all comes out in the wash. Now, why am I harping on how great, wonderful Donald Trump is and how he's exposing the evil people in Washington, D.C. that have screwed us over for so long? Because it helps in understanding why the media is so hell-bent on keeping this going. Because you probably think to yourself, my God, CNN was getting their building attacked. The people in the CNN headquarters in Atlanta had to be terrified. Why would they want something like that to go on? Because they feel they have some sort of moral high ground. Some, some, some superior complex they have that, that makes them think that not only are they on the right side... But they have this moral obligation and this moral duty to do what they're doing and that it's the right thing. They probably understand that race relations reaching a fever pitch in this country and deteriorating is, is, a, is a bad thing. But what's worse is four more years of Donald Trump. Having People in this country, people who bleed the same, people who live the same, people who love their family the same, go to work the same, having those people against each other and in internal fighting in this country is a small price to pay to get rid of the big bad orange man. They can't have that anymore. And that's where this complex uh, of... of them believing that they're doing the right thing comes in. It's the lesser of two evils, if you will. And they will continue to push that until people like you and I make sure everybody sees the images of police officers kneeling with protesters in the middle of the road, police officers hugging having heartfelt conversations with protesters during during these these events these these rallies if you will with tears running down their face not talking at them not telling them what to do or just or telling them what they're going to do they're listening they're listening to these people and saying hey i took this job to protect people like you not hurt people like you i'm out here because I love this community. I love the people of this community like yourself. And I want to keep you guys safe. Because it's really when it comes down to it. If we look over the stats. How many people are actually killed by police that are unarmed. How many wrongful deaths that happen at the hands of police. We start to understand. That there's a judgment issue. There's a judgment issue on how people view the police. And again, that's the fault of who? Politicians, Democrats, and the media. For eight years before Donald Trump took office in Washington, we were told by the highest office in the land that 
police were bad and and they were corrupt and there needed to be some drastic change because we have a system in this country that is built to only benefit white people. That capitalism is built to only benefit white people. Government is set up to only allow white people to participate. Now, some of those things may have been true in the early days of this country's existence, at least as we know it. But that couldn't be further from the truth today. If it is, if it is still the, the, the true to this day, that this country runs on white supremacy, it runs on a system that is built and operates to benefit white people, then you are basically saying everyone involved in the civil rights movement, everyone involved in freeing slaves, everyone on the side of President Abraham Lincoln, their legacies mean nothing. Their work, their work and their passion to change this country and change race relation means nothing. The fact that they gave their life for this, and they did. Martin Luther King obviously did. Abraham Lincoln did as well. He was murdered because he was on that side of history. You could even make the case of John F. Kennedy as well. They gave their life for this cause. So you can't tell me that this country is the same as it was back then. There will always be racism in some form or fashion. In this country, in our neighbor's country, in countries across the pond, all over this world. Why? Because this world is an evil place. It is a fallen creation that we have unfortunately inherited. But we, with the human spirit that we have within us, do everything we can to make it a better place. Again, I go back to the understanding between protesters and police and how we've allowed a group of people to tell us whether our neighbors are good guys or bad guys that's got to stop and that's beginning to stop that's why what police are doing right now is so vital in not just stopping riots but changing this conversation advancing this conversation it has to be done here is what i'm going to do i'm going to take a break we're going to have somewhat of a short podcast tonight but on the other side i'm going to bring in a dear friend of mine who is a police officer and i'm going to talk to him about this very issue and get into the mind of someone in law enforcement to see where exactly they're trying to take this thing. It's over the line. Andrew McLean, June the 2nd, 2020. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're just uh, we're gonna pipe in a commercial break for uh, for the podcast here in a moment. See if I can line up my my guest. I'm gonna feel stupid if I can't, especially especially leading into that commercial where I'm like, got a guest coming up. Oh my god. 
<laughs> my neighbor's being loud. Let's see. Let's send it a GIF that just says shh. There we go. All right. Uh, Give me just a minute. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, Like I was saying... Oh, I'm, bring, I'm trying to bring on uh, TJ. Kind of a little preview for tomorrow's show, the Matt and Nani show. So some of y'all, um, some of y'all will be getting a preview of, of tomorrow's show a little bit. This dude's all over the place too. He's, he's doing like several interviews. I don't know why. He's not that important. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But as soon as he hits me back, we'll get rolling. I promise not to do a super long podcast tonight because I, I don't know. I gotta get, I gotta find out from you guys what is is the best length for y'all on a podcast. Like, is an hour good or is it too much? Would you rather have like thirty minute podcast where you can just listen and go? I, I know it's gonna be different for everybody because some of you guys are like you know, traveling, driving around all day, and some of you just barely have enough time in the day to take a poop. So. Yep, old Tej. I don't, I don't know, Trish, I don't know if you've ever met TJ, have you? I mean, in person. I think you've talked to him. But I need to get y'all two together, because he's a, he's a cool dude. He's cool, dude. He's He's been in radio longer than I have. He just, uh, I think he figured out he wasn't going to make any money on the, the company he was with, so he decided to take the police route. Come on, Teach. Oh, yeah, that's right. You watched the video last night with us. Um... Well, I won't explain it. I'll wait till it, we bring him on, and I'll I'll kind of explain the video to you guys. We're gonna. I'm in to post that video today on social media, but I didn't. I may do that tomorrow after we talk about it, or while we're talking about it on the on the radio. I guess this dude ain't gonna hit me back. If so, what if he's like arresting somebody right now? And that's why he's not answering me. If so, I'll call, yeah. We'll say it's the biggest podcast in Leeds. So you'll be heard by tens of twenties of people. I think that sounds good. Man, I need a drink. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there for y'all. Is that inappropriate? I almost did it this morning. <laughs> During the radio show. I was like, how bad would that be? Just like a vodka and coke. For a morning show. I wouldn't be the first person that's ever done that. I used to listen to shows all the time. Where they would, um, you know. It would be part of the shtick. But it would be like a deal where, you know, they're they're getting somebody drunk and then they're, you know, doing some sort of game. Bubba the Love Sponge in particular is where that happened. If any of y'all used to listen to him. Bubba the Love Sponge. Cuzzy. Y'all, I may have to come back. I may have to come back from this break without TJ. 
with that tige. Oy vey. Then we can just sit here while y'all stare at me awkwardly, if y'all want. I guess I could turn my ringer on. Then I'll know. I know this is riveting. This is really how y'all want to spend your Tuesday night. But I am so sorry. Don't invite anybody to watch this video, please. Uh, headline. Alleged Pittsburgh 20-year-old Antifa kid escorted to police by his parents. <laughs> nice. Brian Bartles, 20 years old, has been taken into police custody courtesy of his mama and his daddy <laughs> uh, for his alleged efforts to incite riots in Pittsburgh. Uh, the police say 20-year-old Brian Bartles is the man who incited riots in downtown Pittsburgh yesterday. Uh, he put a tweet, uh, the uh, reporter from KDKA in Pittsburgh, he, he put a, a video with that tweet showing Bartles allegedly destroying a police cruiser. Oh, here it is. Let me watch this. I know y'all ain't going to be able to see it. Oh, Lord, y'all, my mamma's listening. That ain't good. I wasn't really trying to drink a beer on the radio, mamma. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a joke. Okay, that video's not gonna play, I guess. It said, by Monday evening, KDKA was reporting that Bartles had been brought into custody by his parents. Quote, the Antifa kid who police say inside of riots in Pittsburgh has been arrested for, uh, I'm sorry, has been arrested and watching him turn himself in with mommy and daddy is the absolute greatest thing on the internet today. Uh, it also says, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, an anonymous co-worker identified Bartles. When authorities searched his home, they allegedly found a stash that included two guns and six cans of spray paint, as well as gloves and the sweatshirt th that the suspect had allegedly been wearing during the protests. While his attire seemingly caused Howerton to label him the, an Antifa kid, there's been no confirmation of Bartle's affiliation with the group. Something tells me he probably is. Pittsburgh Police Chief Scott Schubert, Schubert expressed his anger and dismay at the way otherwise peaceful protests over the death of George Floyd were hijacked by agitators. I am so angry at the fact that some segment hot mm, say quote I am so angry at the fact that some segment hijacked this and then took some of the youth and brought them into the mix. He said there's no doubt that that's who's doing it and a lot of things we're seeing are white males dressed in the anarchist antifa they're the ones who are fueling a lot of this it's just a damn shame that they took advantage of the situation for something something happened in another state where somebody died who shouldn't have died and they hijacked that message for their own he ended the statement with a public commitment to ensure accountability for the crimes committed we will to, uh, we will look at every video we have and we will do everything we can with our technology to find the ones who are responsible for a lot of this. So that's pretty funny, right? Right. 
You are watching me do show prep in real time. I'll probably talk about that tomorrow. Let's see. Hold on a second. I don't know if y'all can hear this, but here's the kid walking up to the Mr. police Bartles, station. Mr. do you have anything to say about what happened on Saturday? He's wearing his little mask, too. Anything? Anything you want to say? Destroy the police car. Just Needless to say, Mr. Bartles had nothing to say during that instance. But he did look upset. Let's see what this one does. Oh, somebody is busting up the cop car. No. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? It is not, it is not black people. It is not black people. What are you doing? What are you doing? There he is right there, smashing the back window of the cop car. The camera people are telling him to stop and he flips them off. Just he just went cop car. back to his backpack. Y'all say we are the rioters. Y'all say we are the problem. Grabbing his spray paint. And stop, my guy, stop! This is a black guy You're recording. Ooh. Cut that shit out you get wow. Language, out. language. We can't do that on YouTube. I don't think. Um Yeah, so that that's a black guy expressing frustration that uh this guy's over here doing that business. And um Basically pinning it on on uh, African Americans who are out here peacefully protesting, you know that that's another aspect to this that I, I don't think many people are talking about. I know personally for me, I haven't talked about it. Um, the blame game A and where where you receive blame or, or where blame lies with a lot of people because of the confusion of, of who is actually perpetrating these evil acts of rioting and looting. Now, if you watch videos, you see people of, of all colors doing the looting. In Birmingham, it, it seemed to be mostly African Americans doing the looting, but we don't know if those were people that lived in Birmingham or, or just Alabama in general. We don't know if they got bust in or, or what. You know, we heard from several people. One today in particular from the Miami Fusion Cafe. He had his business destroyed here in Birmingham, downtown Birmingham. And he says, I know, I know this community like the back of my hand. And a lot of these people that were out here causing all this damage, they're not from Birmingham. He said, I heard, I, heard them, I heard it with their own mouth. I saw it on social media that they're not from Birmingham. So something needs to be done to address that situation in particular. I'm sitting here doing a show and I don't... I'm not even recording a podcast right now. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stop this ditty. I should have stopped it a minute ago. Over the line, the podcast at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter, over the line on Facebook. We gotta get um, we gotta get the website back up. By the way, overthelineshow.com. We we kind of let it go. We we let the the thing lapse. You know, you gotta pay for your website every year or whatever. We didn't pay for it last time just because we weren't doing the podcast. So we were like, well, why? Why pay hundreds of dollars when you got a podcast? Well, now I regret that. I should have kept it going. But we'll get it back up. No worries. No worries. 
Everybody stay calm. We'll get it hooked up. But just remember, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter, follow me there. That's where I do all my uber political stuff. And, and that way you can uh, keep up with me when podcasts are going on or once we post a new podcast. We'll post this one as soon as this show is over. Uh, as I mentioned last segment, we planned on having a guy by the name of TJ Armstrong. TJ is a police officer here in Alabama, and uh, he sent me a video just the other day, uh, last night as a matter of fact, and it was of him and his sheriff. They were amongst a, a group of protesters, um, I would say hostile Hostile protesters, because there was a lot of a, a lot of salty language on the first part of this video, and the video ends up going into TJ and Sheriff Nick Smith taking a knee with these protesters, them looking on in amazement and, and realizing, hey, the, these guys they're, they're standing in solidarity with us, maybe. Maybe they don't hate us because of the color of our skin. Maybe they are on our side. Maybe they are here to protect and serve. And then, then, they convince them, they convince the protesters to allow them to lead them in prayer. And the protest literally turned into a prayer circle where they were all standing around praying and... um. And, and just uh, laying hands on each other. It was, it was an absolutely amazing sight. Uh, if I wasn't so worried about the salty language and, and somebody getting surprised by listening to this with little ears around, I would I would throw it at you. But I, I don't want to I don't want to do that. I'm not in the business of having kids hear a, a word they've never heard before and then repeating it at Sunday school. Because <laughs> you know that happens. We don't want that to happen. Absolutely, do not want that to happen. All right, um, just to kind of look over uh, the headlines of the day. Now, again, this is June the second, two thousand and twenty. It is approximately seven twelve here in in Birmingham in the Central Time Zone, and we are currently watching nationwide unrest as protests are continuing. But as we harped on last segment, we've got a movement of police officers that are trying to de-escalate the situation by having a conversation with the protesters. Having a conversation with a lot of people that are angry, very angry, very scared, and very worried for themselves, for their families, for their kids. Because they're afraid because of, you know, what what we see on our television screens, on our phones, on our social medias and, and Snapchats and Instagrams. There's a narrative that black people are being killed unjustly by police. And it happens. It certainly does happen. Nobody can take that away. The media inflates the problem, but it does not take away from the genuine feeling of, of, of fear that so many in the African-American community have. That fear is being taken advantage of by horrible, nasty, domestic terrorists right here in this country. People that are hijacking a, a, a protest that, that is, for the most part, peaceful. That is a result of this fear and is a result of this worry. Taking advantage of that and using it to sow seeds of, of chaos and, and downright anarchy. Which is what it comes down to. You look at a list of demands from some of these people that are doing this rioting, doing this looting, mostly white people, by the way. Can we point that out? It's mostly white people. 
They want to rid this country of capitalism. They want to rid this country of all police. That's why you keep saying, uh, keep seeing spray painted on, on, on buildings and police cars, A-C-A-B, which stands for all cops are blank. Not some cops are blank. Not there are some cops. Not even there are a lot of cops that are blank. Not even that you're not even getting a, a phrase of uh, phrasing it as a majority of cops are racist or a majority of cops are blanks. You're getting all cops. And that's what they believe. That's what they want everyone else to believe. And the media feeds into that. I cannot stress enough how much of a culprit in all of this Washington, D.C. and the media are. The number one culprits. Think about this. Think about most of our issues in this country that keep us divided. What would you say prevents us from finding a solution to those issues, or what continues to stoke the fire of those issues? What's the one thing that comes to mind when, you, when I ask you that question? That's right. The media. I'm not going to go through it again, but it's as simple as the media needs us divided so they can blame the people in power. Donald Trump and Republicans. Doesn't matter who actually causes the problem. Doesn't matter whose feet the issues lie at. They just need a problem. They'll tell you who the, who, who the, uh, who the source is. They just need... A divisive issue. They just need a problem and they will tell you who the culprit is. And every single time, it will be the orange man. Now the orange man, President Orange Man, if you will, has gone above and beyond to try to fight this. It's why he is so hostile with the media. And this, obviously, he's been that way for a while, even before he got into politics. But he knows the power they hold. And if you really analyze what's going on, just take a minute after you listen to this podcast, or within a couple days after listening to this, just sit down, take an hour, and split it into, you know, three or four sections. Spend an equal amount of time on each major cable news outlet. Go Fox News, go CNN, go MSNBC, and whatever else. E- even go with one of the uh, the local channels with their national programming. ABC News Tonight or something. Just pick something like that. And, and watch the way they phrase every single thing they report on. Watch the way they do it. They do it in a way... That makes it clear they're looking for no solution. They pose these things in a way to make sure the fear keeps growing. The hatred keeps growing. They want people divided. And I firmly believe there's a lot of prominent terminology in our culture that is created to keep us divided. One of those, and I had this conversation with Trish earlier today, is white privilege. The term and just the topic in general of white privilege is a divisive issue. And the question I have to anybody that that proclaims that you have this privilege based on the color of your skin, I would ask one simple question, and that is, Why do you have to call it that? Why not a different name? Because here's what white privilege means to to people that, you know, harp on it and preach it to others. 
I've heard broad definitions. I've heard very specific definitions, but for the most part, it, it strictly revolves around white and black or white and then black and brown. However they phrase it. Everything's got to be so freaking categorized and put in a box. It is defined in a way that says if you are a white person, you don't know what it's like to live as a black person raised in a black community going and doing everyday things as a black person. Whether it's how you are treated by employees at a store, how you're looked at when you're walking down the street, how you're judged, how people judge you with their eyes as you walk by. That's the general definition that that I, this is coming from me, that I have gathered from what white privilege is. That if you're white, you don't have to deal with that. And now I could give you many examples that could go toe-to-toe with people that say, because I'm black, I went through X, Y, and Z. I've got stories that can be comparable to that. I have done a lot of undesirable things in my life, especially in my younger years. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of, a lot of things that I'm downright ashamed of, but they've taught me things. One of those is, let's let's take, for example, uh, if you're African-American, you're going through a white neighborhood, and people are, you say you're just walking down the street through this neighborhood, whether you're going out for a job or uh, a jog, a jog, I meant jog like a run. If you're going for a jog or you just need some fresh air or your car broke down and you're trying to get to the other side of the neighborhood to get to the gas station or whatever, what whatever reason you're walking through a quote unquote white part of town, people will look at you Some people may call police. If police see you, they may even stop to ask you, hey, you need some help. What are you doing around here? Uh, You just kind of look out of place. Now, white privilege or the definition of white privilege would tell you that that would never happen to a white person. But in my experience, that most certainly does happen to white people. I've been in black neighborhoods, or what some would dub as the wrong side of town, a high crime area, if you will, which doesn't have to translate to a a black community. And I've been pulled over and I've been harassed by the police for one reason and one reason only. And that is because of the color of my skin. You look out of place... And the only reason you would be here is to buy drugs. So police are going to stop you and they're going to find out. Because guess what? When they stop 10 white people in that part of town and 9 of them had drugs on them or were on their way or had just bought some weed, The chances are pretty good you're going to find that person. And that's why they do it. Not because they see white people and they think, man, I'd really love to harass that guy because I hate the color of his skin or I hate hate his race. It's because there are signs that say, hey, a crime could be committed here. This guy looks out of place. Let me see what's happening. And if you're doing nothing wrong, it's not illegal for you to be on that part of town. So they send you on your way. Does that happen more often to people in the black community? Possibly. Does it happen to more African Americans than it does white people? Possibly. 
Maybe. I, I would I would dare to say, yeah, probably so. But it doesn't take away from the fact that everybody grows up in different with different circumstances, no matter what your color is. Some people have really, really horrible lives. People that are black, people that are white, people that are Asian, males and females. Awful, awful, traumatizing things they grew up with. Others do grow up with a sort of privilege. Rich parents. Parents that give them anything and everything they want, which really ends up ultimately doing a disservice to that kid because they grow up to be a punk. When they get when they get into the real world, the real world smacks them in the face. But everybody's got their own issues. So to bring that all back around, my problem with the terminology of white privilege is that it alienates people by their race. And I understand. I I completely understand that it is it is a theory used to point out what black people go through or a lot of black people go through. But to find a different name for it, you're not going to get people to listen to you if you were telling them, and I cannot tell you how many times I've been told this directly and indirectly ever since George Floyd's tragic death then I have white privilege. Not because I grew up with rich parents, because I didn't. Not because I had uh, I grew up in a, a three-story house, because I didn't. It's because of the color of my skin that I'm supposed to have some sort of privilege. It's hard to advance a conversation with somebody that's not from the same line of thinking as you are when you're trying to convince them of a theory that the name itself demonizes them for the color of their skin. How are you going to advance that? So just as the police are doing their part to improve relations with the community and with the black community, those on the other side need to as well try to do their part to advance the conversation. Quit using stupid words like white privilege. Quit using terminology. And you've got the right to use those words. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying if you care about advancing a message or advancing a conversation, you got to think about how you approach it, which is what these officers have done. Quit using the stupid terminology of white privilege and telling people, off the top that they've got it better than you because you don't know their story I don't know what it's what it's like and I never will know what it's like to grow up black in America just as a black person in Mountain Brook or Hoover will never know what it's like to be a white kid growing up in Rimlap, Alabama a little small podunk town with nothing, living in a single wide trailer most of his life. You don't know. I don't know what it's like to be you. You don't know what it's like to be me. We can all agree on that, can't we? Quit basing it on skin color. I am 100% okay with people getting on social media as they're doing now and saying Black Lives Matter or the thing today, everybody's posting just black pictures and calling it Blackout Tuesday in honor of the movement to address the George Floyd situation. I'm all for that. If you want to do it, I may not do it. I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I, I, it's, it's not my thing. And I think it's not my thing, not because I think it's stupid. I think it's not my thing because I have a different outlet to express my views. An outlet that a lot of people don't have. 
So I'm able to go into way more detail than your average person as to what I feel about a certain issue. But I support it. If that's what you want to do, I fully support that. And I'm going to be the first one to stick up for the black community when they're being done wrong. But a lot of times when I do that, I'm called racist as well. (laughs) Which kind of sucks, you know? For instance, one of my top issues is and has been for a very long time is the way the Democrat Party treats African Americans. They are consumed with racism disguised as passion. And they tell you to use the famous words of a senile old man with dementia that just happens to be running for president right now. If you don't vote Democrat, quote, you ain't black. Trying to take the blackness away from an African American is a very demeaning and racist thing, especially when it's coming from an old white person who has a history of racist remarks and being associated with extremely racist people. But it's not just the Joe Biden, it's, it's the entire party. I can think of just... Just in recent history, you remember, and you remember, she's still in Congress, Ayanna Presley, who told black America, we don't want to see any more black faces that don't want to be black voices. She's saying, we don't want any more black people speaking up unless you're going to be speaking up about our message. Because that's the only way you can be black, is if you believe the same way we do. So either we, the Democrats, own you or your skin color decides who you are. It it, it decides what you believe. Michael Steele, who happened to be, he's he's pretty much a full-blown liberal activist now. You see him on all the cable news outlets. But somehow, at one point, he was the... uh, the the chair of the GOP. When he was the chair of the GOP, and I don't I don't like the guy now. I just want to make that clear. But when he was the head of the GOP, when he was on the Republican side of things, he had Oreo cookies physically thrown at him during a time he was running for Senate as a Republican. Oreo cookies thrown at him. Even the Senate president, a white Democrat at that time, called him, publicly called him an Uncle Tom. Obvious stories of of Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam not just wearing blackface in college and dressing up like a Klansman, but getting a picture made in those outfits for the college yearbook. Those are the things that go on within the Democrat Party. And those are the things I stick up for for black America. And I'm called racist for those things. Because you're not supposed to challenge the narrative. The moral of the story here is don't let the media, don't let the politicians decide the terms of how we solve this problem. Let us, let America, let black people and white people, and people of all skin colors, decide the terms of how we solve this problem. Because we can do it. I'm watching us do it right now. But there's going to be interference, there's going to be pushback, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to stop it. But America's resilient. She has shown that time and time and time again. And this will be one more instance of that. Where we go through a really, really hard time and we come out on the other side better for it. 
because we've defeated the true enemy. And that's those that are trying to divide us. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Sorry I dropped the ball on our guest, but we will have him tomorrow, and I'll possibly, on the next podcast, bring him on here, and we'll talk to him about what's going on in the world of our men and women in blue. Over the Line on social media, Facebook, look up Over the Line. Also, at Andrew McLean Who on Twitter, and listen to Over the Line on any of your favorite podcast platforms will be there uh, for your listening convenience. Until next time, see you, cool.